0: The following podcast is brought to you by Pathways Church. Thanks for joining us for this message from our weekend service. We exist to lead people into a growing relationship with Christ. If you have any questions or even a story to share about how God is moving in your life, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at pathwayschurch.us. Thanks for listening and we pray that God's word will enrich your journey today. So let me take you back to the year 2000. Remember, it started with a little something called Y2K, the computer scare. And um, actually, the summer blockbuster movie that year was Gladiator. Remember that? That was a great movie. And the top song in the year 2000 was Breathe by Faith Hill, right? Because I can feel you breathe washing over me. Ladies, was not that so romantic, that song? Lord could feel me breathe. The only problem was she was smelling my morning breath for the first time because we were recently married. One month into it, I was 21 years old. She was 22. And oh, I loved her then. And I love her even more right now. She's an amazing, incredible woman. And so, When we were just a month into it, it was June, and so we decided we were gonna pack up all of our stuff in this little moving truck we didn't have a lot, but we packed everything that we had, that means all of our wedding presents, and we pulled our 1986 Honda Accord from Fort Wayne, Indiana to Pasadena, California to attend seminary together. And so we were three days into the trip, just hours away from Pasadena. And it was really, it was, we were so in love and goo goo ga And it's like, oh, this is going to be perfect. We're starting a new life. And so as we got into the state of California, uh, the route that we were taking was extremely flat. And so we were just hours away. And um, we took a wrong turn. I'm not going to lie, Laura got us lost. 100% her fault. I mean, it was totally her fault. And she's the navigator in the family. I'm the driver because she's amazing with directions. And I'm amazing at driving. Actually, that's not true. I'm directionally challenged. But she totally got us lost. And she felt terrible. She's like frantic and apologizing. And I'm sweating because I've never driven a moving truck, let alone pull something. I mean, we're on a mountain. It is so high. And I'm so scared. And we're totally lost. And, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't know if you've ever gotten lost, but it's not like you set out to get lost, do you, right? It's not like you say, oh, I'm going to get lost because I'm, I'm pulling, you know, like my entire life behind me with my new bride and I want to die. Nobody does that, right? It, it's unintentional. And so that's, that's what happens when you get lost. Now, I'm sure all of you could share a story like that in your travels, but, but can you share a story like that in life, have you ever gotten lost in life? Something changes, you, you, you need to reroute and all of a sudden you're like, oh my word, I'm stuck, I'm lost. Something terrible has happened because I think you would agree with me. All of us, We really know that our future is super important. Like we want to arrive safely at our destination. We want to raise healthy kids. We want to have a thriving marriage. We want to find fulfillment in our work. We want to create legacy and be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And so we need to, we need to, we know we need to get outside of ourselves. We, we know we need to serve and be a part of a community. And so like our destination is so important but there are some times that we get lost and our lives get off track. So today we're going to start this new series called Reroute. And I'm really excited about it because we're going to look at some of these unexpected changes or maybe even divine disruptions. How do we navigate those moments in life when perhaps we're off track or actually God reroutes us and puts us on a better path? It, it, It provides for us some sense of direction and purpose. Now, Uh, We're going to be using the book of Acts as our guide. It's a New Testament book. It's right after the Gospels, and it really talks about the beginning of the church, how the church got started. If you were with us last Easter, we studied the first eight chapters of the book of Acts, which, by the way, can we just pause for a moment, and can we celebrate what God did last Sunday on Easter? Can we celebrate how good God was and watching 17 people get baptized, incredible stories. I mean, you know, we had countless people make decisions for Christ on site, online, and it was incredible to see what God has done over the course of this past week. All the stories that we've heard as an elder team and a staff, and I know you were a part of that. And if you're back from Easter, you're a guest today, we're so thrilled that you're with us. We want to welcome you to be a part of our church family here at Pathways. Well, Last Easter, we were looking at the book of Acts together, and you can go online, catch all those messages. I think they'd be really beneficial in understanding some of the context in the background. But here's what we did. I asked Pastor Gary to, to actually uh, bring us all up to speed and shoot a, a brief recap video. So I want you to lean in and I want you to get a feel for what has taken place in the first eight chapters of the book of Acts, and then we're gonna dive into this series called Reroute. Check this out.
1: Okay, in Acts 1, Jesus, he circles up his followers one final time before he takes the white cloud express and ascends into heaven. But he leaves and he gives them a final instruction. He says, hurry up and wait. Go to Jerusalem and wait for the promised gift, the Holy Spirit, because this is gonna be a game changer. And just as promised in chapter two, they gather, They wait. And while they're hanging out, the Holy Spirit makes a grand entrance and crashes the party. This promised gift is given and received by all believers and it fills them with power and they are on fire. In fact, one dude, Peter, stands up on the streets and starts preaching and people are blown away. They place their trust in Jesus and immediately put their feet in the water of baptism. And I'm not talking about five or 10 people getting baptized. The church is born that day with 3,000 people getting dunked. It's a miraculous day in just the beginning, because in the very next chapter, chapter three, a crippled man is miraculously healed and the crowd goes wild. Well, most of them. But there's a pocket of folks in the Jewish religious establishment that is salty, deeply disturbed because they ain't buying this whole Jesus thing and they're worried that they're losing their influence and control over the people. So the plot thickens. While the church is is blowing up to over 5,000 people when chapter four begins, the religious elite ain't having it. So they snatch Peter and John and throw them in jail and start stirring up opposition to shut down the movement. But it backfires like throwing water on an oil fire. And in chapter five, the church is even more emboldened and the gospel is unstoppable. By the time we get to chapter 6, there are over 10,000 people as a part of this living body of Christ. The church is unstoppable. And to give you a little context, scholars tell us the population of Jerusalem at this time is about 40,000 people, about the size of Fond du Lac. And this brand new thing called the church has invaded the city, and more than one in four are now followers of Jesus. So maybe that gives you a little hint into why the anti-Jesus religious leaders are freaking out. Even more so, some of their own priests are converting and falling in love with Jesus. The gospel is proclaimed with the in-your-face boldness, and in chapter 7, a man named Stephen, full of the Holy Ghost, shares a message that infuriates these religious leaders, and they grab him. They drag him out of town, and they don't just beat him up to teach him a lesson. They murder him, bludgeon him to death by stoning. This, my friends, is a tipping point. No longer will there be quiet pockets of intolerance toward the Jesus movement. They bring in the big guns to try to stomp this message into the ground once and for all. All hell breaks loose against the church. And the men and women of this very church that you are a part of, they have to flee Jerusalem and run for their lives. And that's the end, right? Of course not. The church won't stop, and it can't stop. So God uses these nomadic group of Jesus lovers as they flee to scatter the seeds of the gospel beyond the confines of its origins in Jerusalem. So much so that it invades and sprouts and spreads global year after year, city by city, continent by continent until it reaches these weird cheese curd eating group of people in Wisconsin yearning to discover what it's like to be filled with the Holy Spirit while they faithfully follow the Jesus way through every twist and turn and interruption that life can throw us. And so here we sit.
0: So what does that have to do with you sitting here today? What does that have to do with you online states away? How does Acts and this story speak to our lives? Well, to answer that question, I need to talk to you about a passion I need to talk to you about about a pause, and I need to talk to you about a purpose. Everybody say that with me. A passion, a pause, and a purpose. Now to get us into the text today, I need to introduce you to a man named Saul. Now, we know him in Acts chapter 9 as Saul, but he has a story, a rerouting story, where his name is changed. And for many of us, he becomes, and we know him to be, the Apostle Paul. Now, before we get to Acts chapter 9, Gary mentioned the fact that there were over 10,000, about 10,000 Christians, followers of Jesus in In Jerusalem, a city of 40,000. So, one in four people were following Jesus Christ. In chapter eight, there's this persecution that takes place, and the religious establishment calls out the big guns. And one of the big guns, his name was Saul. Let's look together. Acts chapter eight, verse three. Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them into prison. Now, This isn't the first time that we meet Saul. You would actually have to go back to chapter 7 where Stephen was dragged out of the city and he was going to be stoned by the Sanhedrin. And and here's what scripture tells us in chapter 7, verse 53. The witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. History books tell us at this time that Saul's are roughly between the age of 23 and 28 years old. So Saul's passion is to persecute the church. Saul is so angry about this fraudulent group of people that he is trying to ruin the way. He's trying to stamp out. He's trying to destroy Jesus' followers. The question that we have to ask, though, is why? like. Why would he want to do this? Now, rather than going into this lengthy explanation, let, let me just kind of boil it down for you. In, in the Jewish uh, uh, in the Jewish religious mindset of the day, there were two ways in which, which Jews thought about ushering in and bringing the, he- the kingdom of God from heaven to earth. The first approach was to have more of a just a hands-off kind of, of way of, of just saying, you know what, let God do what God's going to do. God's got it. Live and let live. We don't really have any responsibility or any role in playing uh, how the kingdom comes to earth. The second way was far more uh, zealous. It, 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 was, it was to do anything necessary, even using violence, to make sure we take the kingdom of God and we thrust it upon people in places that we're a part of. And so, uh, obviously, Saul took the latter. He wanted to be more aggressive in ushering in the kingdom of God. And he thought, he thought that the people who were following Jesus they were anti-God. Now, now this is really important for us to understand. It's really important for us to understand. Saul was a passionate follower of God. Saul had a desire to do what he thought God's will was. He had a desire to do what he thought God was calling him to do. He didn't think that he was lost. He had a passion to lift up and to honor God's Name. This is really important because as we come to chapter nine, if you look in your Bible or on your mobile device, it's titled Saul's Conversion. And usually I don't disagree with Bible scholars because they're a lot smarter than I am. However, in this moment, I feel like that's titled incorrectly. I don't know if it's Saul's conversion as much as it is Saul's Rerouting moment. I think Saul gets rerouted in chapter nine. See, in chapter nine, he's so passionate about following God's way that he actually travels to Damascus. He goes from Jerusalem to Damascus. It's about a 150 mile journey. And you got to think, it's not like he just hopped in a Tesla. It's not like he just, you know, Ubered up there. I mean, this was hard driving. You know he was taking camels. He was walking. This was tough, but he was so zealous and so passionate. And here's what Scripture says: As he neared Damascus on his journey, on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He he fell, he fell on the ground, and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? The very man that he was trying to persecute is the very man that met him on his way to Damascus. Three things happened. He he saw a light, he fell down to the ground, and he heard a voice, and he had to bow his heart and his spirit and his mind to Jesus Christ. It was a reroute story. God rerouted Saul to meet Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. And here's what I know that every person who doesn't have faith, every sinner who wants to come alive under the power of God through Jesus Christ, they, they need to see the light of God's love through Jesus. They need to experience his light. They, they need to hear a voice and saying and being ushered into the presence of God, I love you, I am for you. Here's the truth of my word to you because Jesus loves and wants to meet How many of you know that Jesus can meet you anytime, any place, any road that you're on? Jesus loves you unconditionally and will set up the circumstances such that you will be routed, rerouted right into his heart and his design and his passion and his love for you. This is what took place on the road to Damascus. Now, let, let me just uh, pause here and say two things. First of all, passion is a good thing, but Saul's passion, it was a misguided. Passion, And I want to speak to all of the believers here today online. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, a Christian, I want to say something to you about misguided passion. This is very important. Write it down. Misguided passion can misrepresent God. Passion is a good thing, but when our passion becomes a blinder to God's will and what he's trying to accomplish in our world, that passion can create chaos for people who are around us, and we can justify it as a zeal for God. Have you ever met somebody like that? They, they, they kind of steamroll you or they say something and their heart, they're trying to be passionate or, or they're trying to advance God's kingdom. Unfortunately, their passion is misguided and it ends up misrepresenting God. Proverbs 19 says this, I think it's 19:12. A zeal without knowledge is not a good thing. Zeal without knowledge is not a good thing. Why? Because you end up making poor decisions. So I would just say this to you. Make sure you understand that your passion is aimed toward the purposes of God in our world or you might end up hurting people around you. Passion needs to be directed by the Lord. Now, uh, here's something interesting as well. Persecution. When Saul heard the voice, he heard Jesus speaking to him. And what did Jesus say? Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Uh, let me just make a comment about persecution. As the church of Jesus Christ, uh, know this, that persecution is coming our way. Jesus said this in the Gospel of John. Listen, they're gonna persecute you because you're associated with me. So just know that persecution, and as Christians, we need to know what we stand for or we will fall for anything and everything in our culture today. We need to understand what truth is and where God is leading us as the people of God. But know this, when we experience persecution, they're not just messing with us. They're messing with Jesus. The body of Christ, we are the body of Christ and we are Jesus followers and they are messing with Jesus. So our response can be one of love. Our response can be one of, you know what? I, I, I thought this was going to happen. And we can continue to say, Jesus, as Emily said earlier, we can get in the fire and say, Jesus, we're just here and we're waiting for your presence in this moment. All right, that's passion. Now, let's talk about a pause. Everybody say a pause. A uh, pause. We don't like to pause in life, do we? (laughs) We don't like to pause in life because we're so busy in life and our lives are so stacked up, right? But a pause is really important. We don't like to pause, I think, because we like to justify our busyness because sometimes when we pause, we begin to see things and experience things inside of us. We see our brokenness. And rather than confronting things that that are broken inside of us, you can't fix what you can't define. And so we just run past it, and we justify it, and we say, well, you know, if I pause, that's really inefficient or ineffective, and so we just, we don't stop long enough. We don't stop long enough, but but can I tell you something? There is power in a pause. There's power in a pause because that's where we gain perspective. See, when we pause, there is a perspective and a clarity that God now has our attention and He can speak into our lives. A couple of weeks ago, had Karen get come in, and they were so angry at God. The individual was so angry at God, and I said, "Great!" And they kind of looked at me like, oh, I didn't expect that response. And I said, great. I said, you know what I want you to do? I want you to go make an angry list. What? I said, I want you to list out why you're angry at God. List, every, list all your grievances, why you are so angry at God. And this individual just couldn't do life right now. Was Struggling just to do life in between jobs and, and wondering what God had for them and in a strong and, and, and healthy marriage, but, but yet was just struggling, angry at God. Things that were just built up over time and, and the residual impact on this individual's soul, just angry at God. And I said, well, go make your angry list and come back in a couple weeks. As they walked out of my office and said, now you can't judge me and you can't shame me when I come back with that list. I said, no way. I said, no way. This is judgment-free, this is grace. Brought back the list and started talking through one by one, tears, anger, frustration. I said, hey, let's uh, go burn the list. And so we went out to the giving garden and we burned that anger list. And I said, you watch, out of the ashes of your anger will come beauty. God's got something in your future. He's got purpose on your life, but you have to bury the anger. Some of it, sometimes we don't even know what to bury because we haven't paused long enough to articulate the things in our lives that are off kilter and out of whack. There is power in a pause. After Saul met Jesus, he got up. Scripture tells us he got up from the ground. When he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days, Scripture says, for three days, he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. This was Saul's pause. Uh, Scripture tells us in uh, Galatians that when he met Jesus, he actually went off to the desert for several years to understand and unpack things in his journey with God because now he was introduced to Jesus Christ. Some of you need to pause Some of you are in your 40s or your 50s and you're starting to look at the second half of life and this would be a a golden opportunity for you to pause and say, God, what have you taught me thus far? What have been my mistakes that you've redeemed? What has been my past that you've forgiven me? What are the things, God, as I look into a new, you're going to reroute me, but I just need to gain some perspective and clarity and I need the power of the Holy Spirit to speak to me, I need to pause. Uh, I never discovered this. I never saw this in scripture before. But, but Saul was blind for three days, three nights. He didn't eat or drink anything. God rerouted him. Question, do you remember the Old Testament prophet that ran from God and went the exact opposite direction? And God rerouted that prophet. What's his name? Anybody? Jonah. Jonah, Yeah, we studied him back in the fall. I never saw this before. God used a big fish. He was in the belly of that fish for three days and three nights. Couldn't see anything. He was blind. Couldn't eat anything. God had to get his attention and he needed a pause and his eight word prophetic message went to the Ninevites, not the only prophet that, that a prophecy didn't go to the Jewish nation, went to Nineveh, it reached the king of Assyria and here the same thing is taking place in the New Testament where Paul now has a pause. Do you need a pause? Do you need a pause? I don't want to get off into this tangent, but this is one of the reasons that Sabbath is important. It's a way in which we pause six in one rhythm This is important that we take time and we worship the Lord. Do you know that the first day of the week is not Monday? The first day of the week is Sunday. It's the day that Jesus Christ came out of the tomb. It's the day that we're called to worship Jesus and to set our week up such that the presence of God is honored and acknowledged in our lives the first day. We need to pause. All right. So now God gives Paul a purpose. And every single one of you, you have a purpose in your life. I want you to know that. God has placed purpose on you. God, God, I don't know if you read those statements, I am statements that we gave after Easter. Because of who Jesus is, this is who we are. I am. Those are powerful things. Those are purpose statements. Those are identity things. God has purpose for your life. For the Apostle Paul, he took three missionary journeys that we're going to study and we're going to look at through Scripture together. 14 out of the 27 New Testament books were, were inspired and written by Paul under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. This guy, God used him to reach the Gentiles. Peter was for the Jews, and God was now raising up Paul to reach the Gentiles. God was going to do some explosive things. In fact, I got a message ready for next week. If you don't want to miss what God does in Acts chapter 10, it's one of the most phenomenal things. Make sure you call all of your friends. Invite everybody you know, because God's gospel and his grace goes out to all people. But in Acts chapter nine, God was preparing and getting to reroute Paul. God wants to reroute our lives, not just your life, but he will reroute people around you. And they will intersect in divine ways so that God can receive glory and the gospel can go out through the power of our testimony. Because God is a God who pursues people, amen? God pursued me when I was broken. God knew me when I was a people pleaser. When I was in high school and every morning I would wake up and I would say, who do I have to be like today in order to be liked and to fit in? But then God reached down and he said, you don't have to be a liar anymore, Adam. You don't have to try to act like you're a con artist. You can be secure in who I call you to be and my love for you. God is a God who pursues people. When he pursued Paul, Paul met Jesus. But Paul's reroute story was not just an introduction to Jesus. It's not just salvation. Salvation is the starting point. See, God pursues you so that you can proclaim his name. There's purpose. Now, as God was rerouting Saul into Damascus, he was rerouting another individual in Acts chapter 9. His name is Ananias, okay? Now, if you've grown up around church, this is not the Ananias. You're wondering, wait, is this Ananias and Sapphira? Did he like come back to life? Uh-uh, no. Different Ananias. We don't really talk about Ananias too much, but this is a powerful part of the story. Look at what it says in Acts nine fifteen. The Lord said to Ananias, go, This man is my chosen instrument. To what? Say that word right there. To proclaim. See, God had purpose for Paul, just like God has purpose for you. To proclaim my name to who? To the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. To proclaim my name. Now, Ananias was being rerouted to go down to Straight Street in Damascus and to meet up with Paul. I can imagine his little prayer time. Hey, God, are you sure you want me to go see, did you call him Paul? I know him as Saul. He's actually a Christian killer. Did you know that, God? God, you're, you're calling me to do what? Talk to who? He's like anti. This guy could mug me. He could slip my throat. Are you sure? Have you ever prayed that prayer to God? Are you Sure you know on the other side of that prayer is the opportunity for your obedience or your disobedience. On the other side of the prayer to say, are you sure is a moment where your faith can kick in or your unbelief can lead you astray. Now, in God's mercy, Ananias was like, okay, I'm gonna go do this. And so he finds the apostle Paul, and God uses Ananias. Maybe today some of you are like an Ananias. God is rerouting you to put you in the path of a Paul. Or maybe you're like a Paul today. God is rerouting you, and maybe you're going to encounter Jesus, experience him today, because he has a purpose for you. Maybe you're watching online today and God has rerouted your entire story to a place of pausing and gaining perspective. Back in August, I needed to pause for a moment. I was tired, I was spent, I was emotionally drained, coming through all that. I came through during this past season and pastoring, I was just, I was tired and I needed to pause and to gain some new purpose. And I was at Global Leadership Summit, something that we host here every August. If you've never been a part of that, I would encourage you to be a part of that. And, And God spoke to my heart. God said to me, Adam, this next season is not, necessarily about a direction it's about a posture and that was a pause for me that was a pause where I had to rename the grind of what I was doing I had to rename the grind and for me that name was a season of preparation because God was preparing me for the path forward And I don't know if you've never had God speak to your heart, but when he does, there's such a peace. There's such a like, yes, God, I know this is what you have for me. And for me in that moment, there was a sense of peace. There was a sense of, okay, he rerouted me, not to necessarily go anywhere, but just to position my heart for his presence because this was going to be a path for preparation that moment. So, Let me ask you, do you know what season this is for you? Do you know who you're called to love? Do you know how God is positioning your life to proclaim his name? So many of you, you have moments where you're being used by God, and I love that. This church, I believe this church has been positioned by God to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. He's doing that in some powerful way, friends. If you're our guest or if you're new, Man, we would love for you to be a part of the movement of what God is doing. I love every single one of you. I love watching on Sundays, people logging in, watching post. I love people who are in the room. I love hearing the stories. And I love knowing that the Holy Spirit is at work right now in your life. He's speaking, speaking to many of you. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask you a few questions this morning. You're here today and you sense that God is rerouting you. It's the Sunday after resurrection. He's gonna put you on a different path. He's got something in your future. I don't know what it is, but I know the Holy Spirit perhaps is speaking to you today. You're sensing This is a moment to pause. Ask him, Lord, what do you want to say to me? Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to every single person. God, you know, you know the direction of our lives. You know that the decisions that we make today and tomorrow really impact a destination of where you want to lead us. And so we just pause in this moment. Is there anything that God is rerouting, anything that he is asking, anything that he is telling you to stop? Be obedient. Be obedient. Now, perhaps you're here today and you don't know if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Like, yeah, 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 you you heard the story or you came on Easter and you felt something, so you wanted to come back and and now there's a sense of like, man, I think God is rerouting me to, to meet his son, Jesus. Like you know of Jesus, but you don't know him. you not in a relationship. You've never fell. You've never bowed your heart and surrendered. Friend, today is your day. You can commit your life to Jesus. He loves you so much. That's why he came to this earth the Father loved us so much that he sent Jesus and Jesus came, died on a cross so that we could have eternal life with him. So if you're here today and you wanna make a decision, you wanna place your faith in Jesus Christ, would you just go ahead and raise your hand and sincerity and commitment to him? Who's here today that needs to make that decision? Yep. Who's online today? Yep, I see you right there. Who's online today that needs to make that commitment? Yep, you tell somebody. Don't be ashamed, don't be ashamed. Oh, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. Now, can we pray this prayer together out loud? Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me, for pursuing me. You knew I would be in this seat today, in this room, and you're speaking to me. So I surrender to you. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Change me. I want to be like you. I want to follow you. Now place your Holy Spirit inside of me. Awaken my heart. In Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed with this prayer said, Amen. 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 Amen.